0: Welcome to the first episode of Sports with Friends here in 2024. I thought 2023 was a great year for the podcast, and I hope this year is even better. We've talked a lot about college sports, and ever since COVID, the new theme to me in college sports has been NIL, the name, image, and likeness, and the idea of paying college athletes, and the transfer portal. And I'm on record as saying I don't mind NIL. I like the idea and the concept behind NIL, but the transfer portal bothers me to no end. Shortly after Thanksgiving, I was introduced to Dave Kelly, who's a Syracuse alum. That's how we were connected. And he is a professor and master's program coordinator of the sport administration program at the University of Cincinnati. And in the process of us talking, he was attending the National High School Athletic Directors Conference, And the theme of the whole thing was NIL and its impact, what to tell high school athletes. And I said, wow, what a fascinating discussion. And so that's what we're going to do today. It is also National Championship Week. What great semifinal games. Uh, Washington's thrilling victory over Texas. And then, of course, Michigan beating Alabama. Go Huskies. That's all I'm going to say is go Huskies. If not for my friends in Seattle then at least for the boys in the boat podcast that we did a couple of weeks ago is all about the university of Washington. So go Huskies. It is also the final week of the regular season. We're almost at the playoffs for the NFL playoffs. Patrick Morrow, the head odds maker at Bavada Sportsbook.com, will join us in just a short while. First of all, There's a certain charm to social media since I got to meet you that way. We are both Syracuse alums, even though you work for the university of Cincinnati, uh, we are orange true and true. Thanks so much for coming on the show.
1: I appreciate it, Seth, very much.
0: You went to this conference. Now the athletic directors that you're meeting with that you were doing, uh, that you were dealing with were high school athletic directors. So these are the kids that are going to, hopefully enter the collegiate sports landscape Mm -hmm. and the whole platform has changed. And we've talked about it from the ancillary level, but I was curious to see what you were able to ascertain because the the way it looks like to me, if you are a halfway decent athlete and you're a junior or a senior in high school, the old way of thinking was, I'm going to put on a uniform and play in front of thousands of people. Wow. Well, how great is it to be me? And now it's I'm going to get paid. How great is that? Mm-hmm. Is that the mentality of all these kids? Is this is what these kids are looking for? So that recruiting into a program is less about prestige and now it's all about money?
1: That's certainly one of the concerns that a lot of the athletic directors had expressed uh, at that particular conference was the, uh, the notion that, uh, you're going to have basically, and I, and I just, you know, I'm going to refer to my uh, notes here, uh, is that's a definite con of this, what we, what I refer to as the typical NIL approach is that it basically reinforces a me first mentality and can cause friction among teammates within the locker room. And so, Uh, Therefore, uh, there's there's a lot of concern, uh, not just that, but uh, quite a few others in terms of the ones that I even brought up uh, in the conference uh, are the tax implications in FAFSA uh, or the Federal Student Aid because NIL income, okay, must be included. In the taxable income reported by student athletes, FAFSA form, and then therefore, if it's large enough, well, then that's going to basically uh, affect uh, the amount of federal student aid that they can receive, and they're going to receive less.
0: Well, and let's go one step further. You know, for years, it's been my understanding that if you are a lacrosse player, you can't get a job at Burger King. I don't know why Burger King is not a sponsor of the show. I don't know why I went there. My brain there went there, but I but I did. If you, you can't work at Burger King, but if I'm a student, if I'm matriculated, I'm not on scholarship, and I want to make extra money, I can work at Burger King. So there was that inequity between the athlete now. Is that still the case? Is that still the situation where if you are a college athlete and you're not getting name, image, and likeness money, you still can't get a job.
1: Most are not going to have the time uh, in the in their schedule. I mean, if you're talking about a major Division One uh, institution, uh, they're not going to have the time to truly get a quote unquote uh, part-time job or anything like that. And so, what this does uh, in terms of the loosening uh, of the uh, NIL. Uh, or with this uh judgment in fact it was the uh Alston case I don't know if you're familiar with the Alston case please explain. but basically the Alston case uh was where he uh, sued the NCAA and ultimately uh it went all the way up to the Supreme Court uh and was decided in 2021 here recently and basically uh the NCAA was ultimately violating the rights of student athletes to receive compensation and other in-kind benefits for their name, image, and likeness, or what's otherwise referred to their uh, intellectual property. And so this, this is really a landmark uh, type of decision that the U.S. Supreme Court, because, again, it puts now an end to the restrictions that they held over student-athletes in terms of making money over their name, image, and likeness. But I don't think it's really applicable to sort of the lacrosse player going out and working for Burger King because the lacrosse player is probably not going to be doing that.
0: but, But my only thing is, whenever it comes to NIL, and I said this at the very beginning of the podcast, and I've said this for a year now, NIL doesn't bother me transfer portal i can't stand and that to me is the ruination of college athletics not on a big level like this week you know when you saw these fancy schmancy games between you know michigan and alabama and washington and texas go huskies um the idea that the small athlete the small sport is going to get gobbled up with conference realignment you know this this stanford is traveling all over the the comfort the country because they're playing in the acc next year uh makes no sense and on small sports with small budgets that really sucks and so uh, in this conference
1: something stanford okay you you mentioned stanford uh you know they, they they have more money uh than, than probably any other institution in the United States. They have uh, basically what's called an endowment portfolio where they have so much money in the bank that all of their scholarships are endowed, meaning that the annual interest off of these off of this money is how they pay for their scholarships at Stanford. So uh, you know it, Stanford is not hurting financially. trust me.
0: Not a question of that it's a, it's a question of because they made a football decision because the pac 12 yeah. fell apart they made a football decision and they they just put a a square peg wherever they could find a square yeah. hole they went to the acc and the volleyball team suffers because of that
1: right no i that, i totally it doesn't matter I, how I, much I, their I endowment
0: is point. the the kid doesn't see any of that the small see the, the whole point and my whole thing that attracted me when you were you told me you were going to this conference was what is this going to do for the small athlete? We've talked oh. about in the past the Syracuse basketball team. Uh, the, the, the you know, Jim Bayheim retired 47 years, Adrian Autry takes over. Adrian Autry's a, a, a fine young coach. I wish him nothing but the best. At his introductory press conference, the first thing that a reporter asked him was congratulations coach. What's the first thing you did when you found out the gig was yours. And he said, I called all my players and begged him to stay. And three fifths of his starting lineup said, sorry, I can make NIL money elsewhere. And so the whole idea of this, again, I go back to the initial point. NIL money is not the ruination of college sports. That stupid transfer portal is. So, what I'm trying to address is did does this new way of life help the small sport and help the small sports athlete?
1: Absolutely not. So let me, let me just back up a second and and provide a little bit of context. Okay. So back in 2000, October of 2018, uh, you basically had the NCAA transfer portal come into play. Okay.
0: Right, that was a COVID thing. That was, it was because right. every school was handling COVID differently. And if you didn't feel comfortable, you could transfer. You weren't going to lose your year of eligibility. The, the, the COVID is still here, but the pandemic is over and that rule still exists.
1: Right. And so basically it's a quasi free agency sort of situation. So the kid goes into the portal, okay, which is basically a, a nothing more than like uh, an online database, uh, sort of like a match.com. And so coaches can go in there and more or less uh, decide uh, who, who, you know, goes in there and uh, gets recruited out of there and gets that scholarship. The concern that I have, Seth, is that from an economic standpoint, in terms of supply and demand... There are more kids demanding opportunities in that portal than there are the supply of scholarships. And so, if you go in there, it's a big risk. In fact, the risk is a flip of the coin so that you have so many kids going in, and then the other ones get an opportunity. But the coach on the back end, who's decided, oh, well, you're going into the portal. Well, I'm going to use this scholarship for someone else. And so basically you have roughly 50%. This is what was discussed at the conference. You basically have a flip of the coin or 50% of the student athletes that go into the portal that never come out. And what's even more alarming is that they basically will come out Uh, again, the top ones will, you know, the cream rises to the top, but you know, there's so many uh, that aren't going to make it. And so really, to your earlier point, you know, you're going to start seeing what I refer to as the exacerbation of the haves and have nots. And so you literally have the rich getting richer. And who's going to get really squeezed out of this are the smaller division ones, and especially the mid-majors. They're the ones that are really going to uh, be affected by all of this in terms of that transfer portal in combination with NIL because what it does is it creates an explosive situation because what's really happening out there, Seth, is that you basically have these overzealous boosters who are running these NIL collectives, And tampering, Uh, in fact, tampering has been a very serious uh, thing that's been going on. I mean, most recently, uh, Dabo Swinney uh, from Clemson, you had uh, Jimbo Fisher from Texas A&M that talked about all of these uh, tampering uh, issues uh, that are going on currently. And so it's a big concern uh, among not only conference commissioners, but uh everyone alike, it's 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 a lethal combination between the transfer portal and uh this nil because the kids are thinking, "Hey, I'm gonna go into the portal, I'm gonna get an o- another scholarship and opportunity when only half of them are. And then secondly, uh you know, you've got some person who's coaxing them to go into the portal. With the promise of NIL money, uh, and again, I, I, I think it, it leads to exploitation uh, that most people either aren't aware of or they just don't care.
0: More of this fascinating conversation about the NIL and the transfer portal and all things college athletics. But first, there's a big national championship in college football coming up plus week 18 of the NFL. Let's check in on those games with the head odds maker at Bovada, Patrick Morrow. We'll start with the national championship game, the Michigan Wolverines, the number one team in the nation against the number two team in the nation, both unbeaten, the Washington Huskies, Michael Penix, Jr. Can he throw one more game in his bag of tricks? Uh, fascinating, fascinating matchup. Uh, to me, it's good versus evil. I can't stand Michigan, and I love love people who love Washington. Um, What's your thought on Michigan and Washington?
2: All right, Seth, uh, we are still in early days here when it comes to uh, where this line's at and where it's going to go. What we have seen is uh, we posted this line um, within five minutes of the Washington-Texas game resolving on New Year's night. And uh, what we have seen is Washington is a four and a half point underdog in this one. Uh, It's been going a little bit back and forth between minus 110 and minus 115. And that is representative of the early money that we are seeing on the Huskies. Right now, they're also plus 160 on the money line. And yeah, we're seeing about 65% of all bets on Washington so far. Uh, Not too unusual that when you have uh, pretty evenly matched teams, and I think, you know, given Michigan's semifinal, uh, they didn't wow anybody they beat alabama but they didn't wow anybody in how they did so it's usually pretty typical that when we get to a championship game like this that the underdog and those big money line odds are as attractive as they are like i said 65 percent of all bets on washington right now the over under is currently sitting at 56 points right now at Bavada.
0: all right let's hit the nfl uh there's a couple of great matchups on this final week of the regular season but this is as good as it gets. Win and you're in the Indianapolis Colts and the Houston Texans. Neither team is expected to contend for the Super Bowl. That's not the point. Making the playoffs is a big, big deal. Colts Texans win and you're in. Yeah. Win
2: and you're in. Um, I think with either of these two teams, uh, it might be win and well, who knows how much further you're going, but uh, Hey, in in the NFL this year and in an AFC that uh, has had a lot of surprises, you know, they could certainly, uh, show that they can hang for a little bit longer. Uh, There are not so many great teams in the AFC playoff picture. These two are two of them. But looking at the game itself, uh, we currently have the Houston Houston Texans, pardon me, on the road as ever so slight one point favorites right now. And looking at the action breakdown, we're seeing about 70% of all bets on the Texans so far. Uh, The hope is that the Texans are a little bit more uh, healthy than the Colts coming into this one. Colts have had a good season. I do like their coaching staff. I just don't think that they have the parts uh, to either pull this one out at home. I mean, again, it's a short spread. They very much could win this game, but it is indicative of how much more trouble they'll have once they make the playoffs, and that's likely them as a seven-point underdog next round. Probably for either of these two teams, though. Over-under is sitting at 47.5 right now. Looking at the rest of the board, that is the second-highest total of the week right now at bottom.
0: The best matchup was named the Sunday night game this week, the Buffalo Bills and the Miami Dolphins. Miami was humbled by the Baltimore Ravens. The question is, are they a Super Bowl contender, and can the Buffalo Bills catch them for the AFC East? Really interesting matchup.
2: Seth, at one point you were able to get the Buffalo Bills at uh, 25-1 to to win the AFC East, and now they've got uh, a winning your in game on Sunday Night Football. Uh, this was a, a no-brainer of a flex, of course, from the NFL to put this game uh, in this time slot. This is going to be the one that everyone's talking about, everyone's watching, and I think for the Bills, it's uh, really a really really big opportunity to just solidify that. Uh, oh yeah, we were able to turn it around. Uh, we're not a joke. Our head coach might uh, say some jokey things some every now and again that gets people riled up, but uh, yeah, uh, you know, if you're the Bills, and and you know, conversely, if you're the Dolphins. Uh, who less do you want to be playing right now than a team that, you know, Josh Allen is still a little gunslinging out there. He's still throwing more than a few turnovers. Uh, that Patriots game on Sunday was a little bit too close to comfort, but they've hung with the good teams. They beat Miami before this season. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, the Bills can hang. The Bills beat the Chiefs this year as well. So this team can hang. And it is no surprise as a result, as we look at where all the betting is on this game, that it's currently on the Bills. We're seeing about 65% of all money on the Bills. And this is something that we wouldn't have been able to say a month ago, Seth. The Bills are three-point road favorites against the Dolphins. This is what Vegas thinks. This is what the Sharps think. They're telling you that the Bills on the road are a better team than Miami in this one. Um, the highest over-under of the week right now is in this game. It is 49.5 right now at Nevada.
0: That is Patrick Morrow. Now back to our conversation with Dave Kelly from the University of Cincinnati. Do you get the sense that there are positives? Like all we've done is so far is ripped it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, someone put this in place. You know, the the, the the genesis of this was college kids weren't getting paid, you know, big money was going to coaches and these huge television contracts, and there's massive revenue coming into the school. And the actual athletes weren't getting a a, a piece. I, I see where this came from. Can you make this real naive for me? Let's take a very small school. Let's use Lehigh. Let's just use Lehigh. Division one, Lehigh. Mm-hmm. Where are they getting money to give name, image, and likeness money to the five best players in Lehigh?
1: I'm glad you brought that up. So, because this is certainly within my wheelhouse of what I teach, so the NCAA year in and year out reports what's called the uh, what's called allocated revenues. Okay, basically to sort of give you. Uh, a, a breakdown of, of what generally happens at the NCAA Division One level, you have department-generated revenues and you have allocated revenues. Department-generated revenues are going to be things like your ticket sales, your concession sales, corporate sponsorships, uh, donations, and the like, okay? Your allocated revenues are the revenues that are coming from the university itself in terms of subsidy and bailout from student fees, OK? A place like Lehigh, OK, and this is what I was telling you that was the big concern uh, of you know, the mid-majors getting squeezed is that more than like at Ohio University, 65% of their budget comes from allocated revenues from student fees lehigh i would argue probably is somewhere in the 70 to 80 percent range so that's where it's going to be an issue because they have absolutely no uh chance of really landing uh any kind of significant uh student athlete coming into their program uh you know because number one uh, they're you know they're they're take taking so much revenue off of the backs of the uh, of the uh, enrolled students at the school. And so what that does is you know there's been more uh, calls for transparency uh, among NCAA schools to um, more or less uh, disclose as to how much money is actually going, you know that is department generated versus uh, allocated revenues? and uh, and as a result, what you have uh, again, um to to my earlier point is you're going to have the further exacerbation of the haves and have nots.
0: Let's take this one step further. Uh, over the the Christmas break, I was reading a lot of stuff, you know, kind of year in review such things. One thing, I, I don't want to attribute where I saw the article, but it was in a reputable place. I just don't remember where I saw it. Um, but one of the predictions for 2024 and beyond is that the dichotomy between the SEC Big Ten as the like the two A conferences, the ACC, the Big 12, and whatnot... Uh, as the B conferences, and then there's a whole bunch of Cs. Taking a page from the European Super League, which is something that has been talked about and is back in the news crazily, uh, they're talking about over there in Europe, and I, uh, I'm i a big uh, fan of European football, so I, it, it's something I, I pay attention to. Basically, that they could form... Uh, like a mega conference the SEC and the Big Ten could could form a mega conference and withdraw from the NCAA that the NCAA which to many in the sports industry has been rendered powerless anyway and really all it is is a figurehead so get rid of it and let the big conferences do what they want and let the smaller conferences, whether you want to have a B League, like a championship league, or, or you know, whatever, whatever you want to do with the Bs and the Cs, what, what, that's fine. Listen, Marvel Studios made billions of dollars with Bs and C superheroes, so it's possible. My point being, could you see the smaller schools, the Lehigh's, let's just use them as the, the example, benefit from not being in the same entity? As Alabama. So it's not that Lehigh plays the same sport. They're not in the same thing. There's not an opportunity for Lehigh to play Alabama in a in a, in a, in a non-conference matchup because they're not in the NCAA. Could you see that's where this is all headed?
1: Well, there's a few concerns I have. Number one, you know, is the the, the you know, the concept of amateurism. What You know, I I think the professional sports leagues like the NFL uh, or even the NBA would probably have uh, an issue uh, with that Uh, just from the standpoint of, you know, the more it breaks away, the more it becomes professionalized. Uh, And so then therefore, what you know, what I actually see, Seth, is I see them still part of the NCAA at that level, but you're probably going to see more revenue sharing occurring uh so that the student athletes start seeing more of the concession revenue they're going to start seeing more of the uh percentages of ticket revenue so they're going to have a shared revenue sharing pool uh am- again among those 65 schools that represent uh the you know the power 5 uh and so really you know, when right, you, take but if you a look, eliminate
0: two, two thirds of uh, two fifths of the power five, you're not a power five anymore.
1: Right. So, I mean, I don't you know, the only thing that makes it compelling is during March Madness, where the Lehigh has the opportunity to upset a Virginia or, you know, something along or the a Maryland Baltimore County has the opportunity to upset of Virginia. I am sorry about that. I wanted to be a little bit accurate on no, no, that no, but, point. But but
0: but but in in essence what you're saying is that basketball and the power of that tournament could save the NCAA. I that's
1: I, I I certainly think so. I think you know if football you know it's basically football is, is basically the one that's causing all of this controversy. Uh and so I mean really it's a is You know, the college bowl, you know, it's basically run by the television uh, outlets. Uh, And so it has nothing to do with the NCAA. Uh, So it's not even, an. you know, the the national championship game is not even an NCAA sanctioned event uh, compared to that of the uh, March Madness, where it is an NCAA sanctioned Hmm. event.
0: Some would argue this is the best time ever to be a college athlete. Would you agree with that, that the opportunities back, are endless and that this well, chaos is just stuff we talk about on podcasts?
1: You had talked about what were some of the pros of uh, or benefits of right,
0: I mentioned the that then we typical NIL that. approach.
1: Uh, certainly, the Alston case allows the rights for athletes to be compensated for their name, image and likeness. And it's, so it provides meaningful income in that limited four year window. Uh, that they have as an athlete it's also a very efficient and easy way of getting money to athletes without it necessarily having to go to the uh university and then distributed that way uh and that uh but i also have a a con to that uh from the administrative side but i'll i'll talk about that more uh here in a moment but no go for it tell me uh,
0: Contradict everything you just said. No, I'm just kidding.
1: Well, the issue is, is that these NIL collectives, okay, as I said, they're basically being run by uh, boosters uh, who maybe don't have the uh, best interests uh, of the student athlete uh, because a lot of these uh, NIL collectives the individuals within them are unelected unqualified or unaccountable boosters. Uh, And basically the governance and control moves away from coaches and athletic directors towards those collective operators. And so not only that, but then money then is also taken away from university led initiatives like capital projects or facility improvements, which then puts added pressure on those who are in fundraising for the athletic department because it leads to donor fatigue. You know, typically in any given uh, university level, you know, it's basically the 95-5 rule in fundraising. 95% of the money is going to come from 5% of your donor base, okay? So therefore, if you're hitting up that 5% all the time, well then what happens is hey uh I guess you know I'm going to you know let's just say Mike millionaire decides you know I'm going to give a million dollars uh to the NIL collective and I'm not going to give to the uh to the capital project uh and that's going to certainly I think have a, a negative effect uh ultimately uh on on general uh fundraising efforts uh done by the uh athletic department and as a result um you know because so much attention is is put on these collectives uh in terms of pooling all of the sponsorship booster uh and other uh donations is that i I think it's going to have a negative impact on other facets that the, uh, that the university might deem appropriate, because if they need a new practice facility or if they want to upgrade their locker rooms, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's going to be very difficult, uh, for those people that are in those positions now with the current state of affairs.
0: Hmm. The whole thing is really, uh, fascinating. Let's take the NIL uh, out of the conversation just for the sake of this podcast. Um, Mm -hmm. The transfer portal. Yep. Um, If you're a student, it is no longer a big decision to where you're going to go. If you don't like it, you don't have to stay. And if you're an athlete and you don't like your coach or if you don't like your playing time or if you don't like the locker room whatever reason or there's NIL factors you can decide I don't want to be here anymore mm-hmm. it used to be you had to stay sit out a year and for a lot of people that meant you're delaying the the the, the next stage of your life and so the transfer portal I know why it was created the covid idea made perfect sense but i hate it i i hate it um especially in basketball where one player can have such an impact i just i hate everything about the transfer portal and there should be some kind of penalty that if it's that important that you need to transfer you can your college career is not over but now you don't pay anything. And legacies are impacted. I mean, that kid, uh, uh, Jesse Edwards on Syracuse, he was the center. Uh, he he had an extra year of eligibility because of COVID. Mm-hmm. Because of that mishmash COVID season, they gave everybody an extra year of eligibility. He's done. He's, he, he had senior day. And he's playing in West Virginia because he made some extra money. I don't begrudge him whatsoever, but oh my God, that is so dumb. Could you imagine back in the day, um, uh, uh, Derek Coleman going, you know what? I'm going to finish my, my career at uh, Florida. Like, why? It's so stupid. And it's, to me, that's what's sucking the life out of college sports.
1: I mean, you, you make some really compelling points, Seth, that, that that's, but, uh you know at this point you know the alston case is what it is uh and the toothpaste is out of the tube and this is this is the new reality uh and so um you know i i understand why you don't like it um i personally you know the notion of a student athlete having the opportunity to immediately play instead of sitting out a year uh, is something that I, I personally, I don't have a problem with that so much. What I do have a problem with is the unintended consequences of things like tampering that are occurring. You know... Uh, Wouldn't
0: you argue why, they, why, were, why, they were, why they would were that happening ed- why, anyway? What's that? Tampering is not new.
1: Right, I understand that. But it's certainly... Uh, you know, basically, it's it's turned out to be uh, an arms race uh, for a lot of these um, institutions. And so, therefore, you know, they're trying to build that war chest of their, uh, you know, those donor-driven marketplace-type uh, collectives uh, and basically luring uh, student-athletes uh, to, to their place, not to your point, you know, uh, I mean, it's not a novel idea that tampering has ever occurred before, but now it's just, they have the opportunity to play immediately. What I'm actually more concerned, uh, also, uh, and equally as cautious is that, you know, everything that happens at the collegiate level then trickles down to the high school and interscholastic level. And so again, um, you know, I think
0: in what se- in what sense.
1: Again, sort of in the sense that, um, like, if I look at the high school NIL state by state, uh, in fact, it, there's a really great website called Open Doors. Uh, and uh, right now, uh, NIL uh, is legal in New York, New Jersey, uh, Pennsylvania. Uh, but it's still not allowed, uh, at least high school NIL policy, not allowed in West Virginia and Ohio. And it's still being decided in Indiana, Michigan, and Georgia. And it's outlawed. So the point being is, um, you know, it's not allowed in Ohio, but it's allowed in Pennsylvania. What's to prevent a kid that sort of lives on that Ohio Pennsylvania border yeah. to leave Ohio and then go to Pennsylvania and so that's where uh I think because really all of the uh Nil policies are a complete mishmash uh of, of you know differing um, types of things going on in fact at that conference in fact uh if you allow me uh I will go ahead and tell you what the New Jersey. Uh, State Interscholastic Athletic Association has basically come out in terms of their policies. Here are their policies. Obviously, they cannot endorse adult entertainment, alcohol, tobacco, cannabis, uh, and controlled substances like prescription, pharmaceuticals, casinos, and gambling, uh, as well as weapons are uh, are not permitted or prohibited. Uh, Coaches and school administration are prohibited to appear and promote or assist in NIL activities. Uh, The use of an agent is permitted in New Jersey. Uh, Basically, they permit uh, any media such as social media, TV, internet, print, uh, so on and so forth. They also in New Jersey permit uh, student athletes to run camps, clinics, and lessons, but they cannot be on the school grounds. So they cannot be associated with the school. And so the last point I'm gonna make here, and this one I think is totally unenforceable, is that uh, no one associated with or acting at the direction of a member school, such as a booster club, alumni or collective, may use the promise of NIL opportunities to student athletes currently attending the member school. It's like, to me, uh, again, that, that sort of goes to the tampering issue that I'm talking about. It, it's it's totally unenforceable.
0: The whole thing is in a major, major state of flux. And, you know, to kind of put a bow on this, the best thing that you can take from all of it is if you keep having games like you saw in the college football playoff, and they're going to expand it. They're going to find new television contract. As long as the games can be that high quality, the amount of money that's going to be coming through this process is going to get
1: bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Right, and then that's like like I said earlier, bigger division between the haves and the have-nots.
0: That's right. That's right. And it, what I would like is let it be known. You know, in the Premier League, and that's the best way to describe, to compare, you know, college football. In the Premier League, there are about 10 teams that are always contenders. And there are 10 teams that aren't. And the cool thing about the Premier League is in the bottom three, if you finish eighteen, nineteenth, 19th, and 20 out of the 20 teams in the Premier League, you are relegated to the B League it's almost like getting sent down to the minors what happens as a result is as you play the end of the season let's say you are uh let's say you're a team that's currently in third place right and you are challenging for the premier league title but you're playing a team that's 19th you'd say oh well, that's it that's an easy win but it's not because the team that's 19th is playing for their lives. Their whole franchise's revenues, their jobs are on the line, because they don't want to get relegated. Right. It's the it's it, it's the absolute uh, drama when good teams are playing bad teams in the Premier League, and you have this this matchup. Football's different because football, the better team, constantly. Eighty percent of the time, the better team wins.
1: I actually, I I have a question for you.
0: Okay, it's my so, Listen, this is how I play. No, I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> so, out of those sixty-five schools that are in the Power Five, right? Uh, you know, realistically, maybe half of them actually have a chance, uh, of sort of breaking through into the national championship football discussion um i i would even argue less do you believe at some point at least is there going to be uh sort of consumers that are going to be more or less like "Eh, you know i can take it or leave it because i know that the alabamas and the michigans and you know all you know that there is no uh new blood coming into it like that of March Madness. I mean the thing that makes March Madness so compelling is that you know a school like Butler University uh can make it all the way to the championship sure. game against Duke. Uh and so what football has basically created is 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 uh a you know a situation where again the little guy has absolutely no chance of ever making it to the to the to the national we'll see we'll see
0: you know is it where if you are a big 12 or an acc champion and you get to uh qualify for that playoff so in essence let's use this season as the the capability florida state would be in the playoff the new expanded playoff because of a conference championship kind of like the ncaa tournament Mm -hmm. is that you get your conference and then you have an x amount of at large bids and they'll all go to sec or big 10 schools that's how that's how this is all going to work um so there's a slim chance so if you're syracuse let's uh, let's put it back on that because that's where we went to school the only chance that that will ever see the college football playoff is you have to win the acc now that could change if and when i say if i really say when Florida state and Clemson get to leave because Florida state Clemson want out. That's, that's the other part of this. They want a piece of that sec money. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to get it. They've hired so many lawyers and so many appellate courts and all these different things. It's just a matter of when that's, that's all this is. So to me, what it's going to do is it's just going to change your expectations. The, the term power five ceases to exist. And the reality of it is, is if you're Syracuse, you have to be relegated. And what I feel bad for are the cities like Syracuse, where the whole city embraces that university, like the whole city rides with the sports teams. You know, if, 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 if Syracuse basketball goes on a run, the whole city has a life to it, a buzz. You know, think about what is happening this week with Seattle and the and the and the sheer buzz that they're getting from their appearance in the national championship game. You know, that, that that's that's amazing. And the team they're playing in the NCAA championship game or in the college football playoff championship game is Michigan. And they play each other next year because they're going to be in the same conference. Like, the whole thing is becoming a Big Ten SEC show. That's mm-hmm. all it's becoming. And you have to realize that and just lower your expectations. When I went to Syracuse, the, the, they had just joined the Big East in football. And I remember their, my senior year, they went to the football team, went to the Gator Bowl, and that was a big deal. That was a big deal. What it's going to become is, if you think these bowl games are small, they are going to get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And uh, the example that I can use is the Boca Raton Bowl. I just watched the the Syracuse lost forty five to nothing. The Boca Raton Bowl, their title sponsor, is not Budweiser, it's not Burger King. It's roofclaim.com, and I'm the jackass that went to roofclaim.com to see what it was. And unless I live in Boca, roofclaim.com can do very little for me. It is that small potatoes. It is the piggly wiggly, and it is small town sports. And the faster the small schools can embrace that, I think you can move on. I think I'll always love college athletics for that. But what I feel as a fan is more detached from the big time because I grew up in the Northeast and I don't really give a shit. Before I went to Syracuse, I never watched one college football game. Saturdays to me were run all your errands with your family because Sundays were the NFL. That, that that's just my personal i i'm not telling anybody how to think and all this has done is made it smaller and it, it's it's just, it's harder to root that's all it's it's what it is it's just it's harder to get motivated will i still watch the games as long as they're on streaming services that i have i will watch all the games
1: you 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 make great points the reason again why i enjoy march madness uh, much more than the college football playoff yes I'll watch the college football playoff but at least uh with March Madness you know you have those again lower echelon uh you know you you have the St Peter's or the uh or the FAU or, or you know whatever uh that that actually or Vermont uh that actually uh have a uh opportunity uh to advance and in many instances, actually have uh, an impact on their bottom line. Yes, are they, you know to my earlier point, you know that they, uh, you know, get a majority of their budget through those uh, allocated revenues through student fees. But at least uh, you know having a successful uh, March Madness run uh, that uh, they can at least uh, lessen some of that burden in that particular academic year
0: it really is. Thank you for doing this. I really do appreciate it. Not only are you a remarkable professor, I can already tell, uh your choice in guests for your class, I just don't have to say, <clears throat> uh, they're wonderful. Uh but you're also involved in a basketball tournament, correct?
1: Absolutely. So, uh the Cincinnati Public Schools uh All-Star Showcase presented by the University of Cincinnati. Uh, and so all of this uh, really originated, um, actually, when I was uh, back home uh, in my uh, up upstate New York, uh, where I'm originally from, uh, I was actually visiting my brother and nephews uh, over Thanksgiving and uh, went to the University of Rochester uh, and saw my hometown school play our rival school, Pittsburgh Sutherland played against Pittsburgh Menden, and all of them Uh, that they were generating went to the Galisano Children's Cancer Center. And so this sort of, you know, this was pre-COVID. And so I sort of got to thinking about, gosh, how can I do something like this, uh, you know, and and bring it back to Cincinnati? And so had some conversations with the uh, district director of athletics with the Cincinnati public schools and post-COVID, you know, we started on March uh, of 2022. Um, We had our inaugural uh, CPS All-Star Basketball Showcase, and all of the donations, all of the ticket sales, all of the corporate sponsorships goes to uh, CPS, what's called Project Connect. Uh, Project Connect is a 501c3 charitable organization that basically serves Roughly 3,000 homeless students in the Cincinnati public schools, uh, and so basically, um, th- in fact, this uh, coming up this March uh, on the 30th at our own Fifth Third Arena here on campus, uh, there will be a college and career fair. There will be a three-point contest, a skills competition, a dunk contest, girls' all-star game boys all-star game and again all of the monies uh that goes uh towards this goes to project connect that help uh the students that are homeless in the cincinnati public schools
0: dave i cannot thank you enough like i said i'm I'm thrilled that we connected Uh, let's continue to talk more and uh good luck with everything this semester with, with with what you're working on the basketball tournament everything uh and just you're you're a new friend of the show
1: all right, I appreciate it. Uh, and I, uh, you know, really invigorating uh, topic, of, you know, this this is the hot topics. And so in the courses that I teach, uh, certainly uh, this is uh, one of the hot button issues uh, that we talk about uh, in terms of the portal and NIL. And uh, it's, it's something that students are very much uh, attuned to and uh, are interested in and uh, and then of course uh, as I also get the students uh, to be involved with the CPS All-Star Showcase you know they're going to be the ones helping sell the tickets they're going to be the ones managing the event uh, and volunteering so it's a win-win all around
0: That's Dave Kelly and that is the first episode of Sports with Friends for 2024 Next week, we're going to talk Mets, Jets, Rangers. Oy, we got to talk about the Rangers. Steve Gelbs will join us from SNY. And let this be my last Happy New Year to everyone listening, although I might say it on my other podcast. We'll talk to Steve next week.
3: If you want me to stay, I'll be around today to be available for you to see to go and then you'll know for me to stay I got to be me You'll never be in doubt That's what it's all about You can't take me for granted and smile Green i